and welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. Today, I'm going to talk with Amy Ladrigan. We're going to talk about her stroke and her blog. She had a stroke six years ago, and she's going to tell us about that and her future plans, maybe hopefully getting on with a stroke support group within the east side of Cincinnati. Welcome, Amy. Did you know you were having a stroke? Was somebody with you? And some little details in your recovery. Well, it happened on April 16th in 2011. I was living alone with my two cats. I was going to school full-time and working full-time, and I was trying to get through school before they changed from quarters to semesters. So I was trying to take as many classes as I could to graduate sooner. The stroke happened on a Saturday morning right after the quarter ended. So I had nothing to do, but I knew FedEx was coming to the door to drop off a package. And they're usually there pretty early. So I jumped up out of bed and opened up the blinds in the living room. I had a big bay window, so I opened up the blinds and um, so I could watch for them. And then all of a sudden, I've got this ringing in my ear. I couldn't hear anything else but that ringing. I know I didn't have any idea that I was having a stroke. I thought it was vertigo or something because I got real dizzy. I'm glad I had the forethought to kneel down in front of my couch so that I didn't actually fall onto anything. And I was going to let the vertigo pass. And I just laid there for a few seconds. And when the ringing went away, I tried to move again. And my whole right side was paralyzed. I couldn't do anything. All I could do was crawl to my bedroom to get my cell phone to call my mom. And she couldn't understand anything I was saying. And her and my dad had come out. They tried to get me to the ambulance. And my mom just sat me down and said, I think she's had a stroke. She called the paramedic. That was the beginning of it. That's the day my life changed. How long were you in the hospital? About two weeks. Uh, They put me in their rehab facility at the hospital. I wanted to get home to my cats. I just worried about anybody taking care of them. And I know the one is really scared of everybody. So actually, they were going to keep me. They thought they were going to keep me and they wouldn't be needed to go to a nursing facility. And I didn't want to go to a nursing facility. They just kept prolonging my stay. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just a little bit more than two weeks. Okay. But, you know... That's, that was okay with me. By then, I could walk um, yeah. with a walker still, but I could walk. I know for myself, they did everything. You know, you have your personal trainer. You have a personal chef. You have a housekeeper. You have people, you know, you have your personal secretaries. You make sure you take your medicine. And that's, you know, just how I looked at it. I got home, and it was like, oh, my gosh, why did I ever want to leave? This is hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how did you deal with that? Well, luckily, after the rehab facility, I went back to my parents' house for a couple of months. And that was hard, too. My physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy 
was moved to another facility closer to where my mom lives so that mom didn't have to go out to where I lived all the time to take me to the therapies. The occupational therapist would tell me, you have to keep doing stuff. You have to keep moving. Even if it's doing the laundry, folding the laundry, or peeling potatoes. One of my favorite things is that when I got home, she said, take two bowls, one empty and one full of rice, and a pair of tweezers, and move that rice from one bowl to the other. So, and because that helped with the hand coordination, um, the eye hand coordination. So that's huge, and that's something that we tell our survivors in the stroke support group: is don't ever stop moving. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to get out and climb a hill, right. or you know, or whatever. It's just if you're watching TV, lift your legs, move your arms. Yeah. Um, Get a, get a can of beans and, you know, do it like weights. Whatever it is, just keep moving. Yeah. And, and it's not constant. You don't have to do it, you know, 24 hours a day, but do not stop moving or trying. And I tell people even now that you don't sit at home and get better. Right. You know, just because the therapy's ended or whatever doesn't mean you can't do things at home. So find fun things maybe that you can do like I did archery for a while because that moved my right arm which was my weak arm I got an adult bicycle and I couldn't ride it at first without my boyfriend being next to me and pulling me out of yards because I couldn't maneuver the bike so never stop moving that's one of the big things that I would tell people so what maybe like during the first month or so did you want to caution people about things that you learned that you might want to pass on? Well, first, like we were just saying, not to stop moving. Just keep moving. Um, Do what the doctors and therapists tell you to do. I've never thought this isn't something I can't beat. The doctors were saying she may never walk again. And I just looked at her and went, I wasn't going to let this beat me. To me, it wasn't life-threatening. It didn't sink in that it was that life-threatening. Right. Um, So it was no big deal to me. Did you get physical and occupational speech therapy after you left the hospital? Yes, I did. I got more of the occupational therapy and the physical therapy than I did the speech therapy. Because speech therapy was only teaching me how to swallow again because I had a hard time swallowing when I was in the hospital. They were testing my brain. They would increase the n- number of mixed up numbers that I needed to recite back to them and see if I get that right. You know, connect dots or, or something like that. Trying to get my balance back and belt in the walker. And the speech therapy that you got, you said was more for your swallowing than your actual speech because sometimes they do cognitive things also if you have that. I did a lot of those, and I passed just about every one of those cognitive tests that they had. You write a blog. How long have you been doing that? Um, just since July. I wanted to get my story out there, tell people about what I've been through, and try to help them with some of the tips and tricks that 
my therapist have taught me um, and to see if there's anything else, even emotionally, that I could help them with. It's called My Journey After My Stroke. Yeah, that's my story. They can find it at myjourneyafterstroke.com. The audience is so wide. I could go in so many different directions with the therapies and the caregivers. And I want to list different places people can go to get the help that they need if they need it. Or a list of places where caregivers can rely on to help them with certain things. Even just some of the goofy stories. What else do you cover? New and and groundbreaking things that doctors are finding with stroke survivors or preventing strokes or things like that. Exercises and just routine things that are not routine yet. So basically, in, in many ways, it's almost like kind of a stroke support group in a blog. Yeah, that sounds good. Do you think that there are things that stroke survivors experience that other people don't? Yeah, I do. I still have a hard time swallowing. I still have a hard time controlling my digestive. I cried. Anytime somebody would come into my hospital room, I cried. It didn't matter if it was a relative coming to see me, the doctor, or the candy striper just bringing flowers in from somebody else. Mm -hmm. I cried, and it didn't matter who it was. I know most people don't do things like that. I was very emotional on this uh, really emotional roller coaster. I had to go on antidepressants to keep me from crying. You know, that could have been PBA. A lot of people experience that and they don't mention it because they're embarrassed. I have not been diagnosed with that, but I think I do have it. Yeah. I self-diagnosed and said I did. But over the years, it's gotten better. I can usually feel if it's going to come on. I'm much better at controlling it now. Oh, that's uh, good. But in the beginning, somebody asked me to clear the table so that they could put dinner on it. I was bawling in, oh. in two seconds. And the person was like, they, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know? And it wasn't anything they said. It wasn't how they said it. I couldn't even tell them why I did it. Yeah. But yeah. So there's crying. There's the, the unexpected unexplained laughter, inappropriate things like finding your words. I was working one day and was down by the lawn and garden. This couple came up to me and asked me where something was, and I tried to help them. I couldn't understand what the gentleman was saying, so I tried to help them the best I could. He walked away, and I just looked at his wife, and I said, he had a stroke, right? And she said, how could you tell? Like, because his first, because I couldn't understand him, he was getting more frustrated mm -hmm. so quickly. Um, I just kind of let it go. I was like, I understand. I've been there. Yes. That was a great catch, though, on your part to realize that he had. Do you really think it's affected your life at this point? Absolutely. Okay. Before I had the stroke, I was working for... Um, a Fortune 500 company as a subcontractor and going to school. After the stroke, I tried to go back to school and instead of making A's and B's, I was making C's and D's. Mm -hmm. um, I lost my job. I lost my house. I lost my car. So it's changed my life drastically. 
but I didn't harp on those things. I don't like that I'm not making the money that I was at the Fortune 500 company, but at least I'm working. At least I can get out of the house and do something once in a while. Each, each time something negative happened to me, I would take some time and process it. Okay, they're not doing this to me. This is what's happened because of my situation. That was hard to come to the realization that I'm not being punished for something. But right now I am in the best place I can be mm-hmm. under the circumstances. Um, I practice gratitude. And so what that is, is I get up every morning and I find something to be thankful for. And so basically the first thing is I got up and then it's the sun is shining. Oh, it's raining. Well, you know, that can be pretty bad. Who likes rain? But it's summer and waters my plants and I didn't have to go out and do it. You know, so there's things like that. And I found as you find gratitude, look on the bright side of everything, your whole attitude in all of this changes. What do you hope for your blog? Definitely like for it to grow. I would like to have more time to work on it and interact with other survivors or caregivers and, you know, offer them advice and and things like that. It would be nice to make friends on there too. What do you think was the hardest part of life after your stroke? There are just some things that I can't do and I know I can't do. The hardest thing for me was realizing that I'm not confident enough in my abilities to go back to that subcontractor type role again. Knowledge-wise, I think I could do it. I lost the confidence mostly because when I tried to go back to school after four months and was, was making the poor grades, that I knew I couldn't do that. What made me think that I could go back to work? I would love to go back to school. (laughs) I have a lot of people asking me if I would go back to school and finish my degree because I was only seven credit hours away from finishing, from graduating. And I'd like to think that I could, Mm -hmm. but the reality is I don't know that I want the stress, which is another reason I won't go back to the subcontractor position. Do you have any parting words, any, any words of wisdom? Just hang in there. Do what you can do. Don't push yourself too much, but do what the doctors and therapists tell you to do. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. Stroke Focus is S-T-R- O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.